The teachings of General Conference are the considerations the Lord would have before us now and in the months ahead. Our marching orders for each six months are found in the General Conference addresses. For the next six months, your conference edition of the Ensign should stand next to your standard works and be referred to frequently. I encourage you to read the talks once again and to ponder the messages contained therein. I exhort you to study the messages of this conference frequently, even repeatedly, during the next six months. You're listening to the Conference Talk Podcast, where it's conference weekend every weekend. Each weekend on this show, we discuss talks from the most recent general conference of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. We'll share some insights, make some connections, and hopefully have a bit of fun. I'm your host, Chanel Nielsen, and today we'll be discussing Elder Anderson's address, Drawing Closer to the Savior, and Elder Olson's address, The Answer is Jesus. For this episode, we've invited a special guest, Lynette Shepard. Lynette, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Good. I am really grateful that you are joining us today. And Lynette I, is, is someone that I've been uh, watching for a while online. She has done work. She's a certified parenting coach, and I knew her in that uh, realm of expertise. But recently, uh, in the last about year or so, she's really shifted gears and is is really I, I would love for you to just tell us what you shifted to and what you're doing in the online space. Okay, so I switched from talking about parenting and teaching that in that realm to focusing on faith and strengthening women in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints specifically, um, just helping them to strengthen their faith and to be more confident moving forward with all the craziness that's going on in the world to be more grounded in the Savior and in their faith. And so I've just been working for about the past year, like you said, just trying to help people strengthen their faith and share their light and be confident in their testimonies. I love that. I love seeing the things that you share and just the unapologetic way that you are, you know, standing for truth and righteousness, right? The thing that we've been trying to do since young women's. And so um, I would love if you could tell people where to find you and, and where they can get some of that goodness from you also. Yeah. So I actually have my own podcast. It's called Stand with Lynette and you can find it wherever you listen to podcasts. I also am on Instagram. My handle is just my name, Lynette Shepard, and then a website, lynetteshepard.com. Those are the three places that you could find me. Awesome. Okay. Yes. As you guys listen, you are going to just get to know Lynette and go and check those out so that you can stay in touch with her. Now, um, I want to tell everyone about the, the speakers for today. So the conference speakers that we're talking about are Elder Anderson of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles, who we all know and are familiar with, and then Elder Ryan K. Olson, who is a General Authority 70. And so Elder Olson, you might not be as familiar with, he has been, he's a recently sustained General Authority 70. He was sustained in April of 2022 at age 47, which I thought was interesting. He's not very old. Um, He was a mission president 
in the Uruguay Montevideo West mission from 2016 to 2019. So doing some quick math there, that was, uh, he was a pretty young mission president, which is interesting. Um, a couple of other interesting things about him. He has served in a variety of business positions and, uh, he has four kids with his wife, Julie, and they, it's he was born in Salt Lake. I don't know where they raised their children, but he's a Utah native. So those are some things about Elder Olson. To start off, we're going to start by talking about Elder Anderson's talk, Drawing Closer to the Savior. So, so Lynette, I would love it if you would start us off just by um, highlighting what stood out to you as you read this talk. Okay. So the first thing that stood out to me is his reference to the parable of the wheat and the tares and how he was just kind of talking about how we'd have to pretty much be blind not to see that we are getting into this period that has been prophesied for a long time where things get kind of crazy in the world before the second coming of the Savior. And the parable of the wheat and the tares, um, the wheat, as as it's explained in that parable, is what the children of the kingdom, I think is what he said. And then the tares being people that don't follow Jesus Christ or don't keep the commandments and that the wheat and the tares will grow side by side until the harvest. And knowing that he was referring to our day in this parable, um, I thought it was interesting that it's not saying that we should go and separate ourselves from you know, people who believe differently or from the tares, I guess, um, in this parable that they grow up side by side until the harvest. And so sometimes I feel like it would be really nice to just be able to isolate myself from everything and my family, protect my kids, right, from all the things that are happening in the world. But that's not actually what the Lord wants us to do. We have to be side by side with those with those terrors and be able to still, you know, interact with people who believe differently and deal with criticism and deal with persecution in some instances, you know, but that's that's all part of the plan, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you what you said. Like there is just this, can't we just go and hide from it all and just like can't the wheat just grow over here? Can we have a field for the wheat and a field for the tares and yet that's not the plan. It is to grow together. Um there's a quote in this talk Elder Anderson says, "This will be our world until the savior returns with much that is good and much that is evil on every side." And it's so interesting because when you're talking about the wheat and the tares, it's not just like I'm picturing a field. If you picture like all the wheat growing together and the tares growing on the outskirts, it's not like that, right? When you hear much that is good and evil on every side, it's not like the outskirts of the field. It's like this one little strand of wheat. There's good and evil around each sprout of wheat, strand of wheat. I don't know what you call it. I'm not a wheat farmer, but around each wheat, grain. And and that's us. We are surrounded in our everyday life by a lot of good and a lot of evil in, in increasing numbers. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that 
you know, we can't separate ourselves entirely. We can't isolate ourselves from that. But I think what Elder Anderson is saying is that we still, that doesn't give us a pass to just like do the things that the world is doing, right? We have to separate ourselves figuratively from the world by being distinct and different. And that reminds me of the often quoted President Kimball prophecy where, um, you know, being distinct and different from the world will draw people to the church in large numbers. And so I think that that is encouraging as well to know that we can stand out and we can be a light to these people who don't believe the same as we do. And they may or may not come to join the church, but the world needs all the light that it can get. And so I think that, you know, people across the world just standing and being different and being okay with that is a good thing. Yeah, I agree. Before my boys leave for school in the morning, if I'm up, which I try to be, um, when they're leaving for seminary, I really like to pray with them. And whenever it's my turn to pray, that's one of the things that I pray for is that they will be a light. Um, Just there is so much darkness. And that's my hope for my children is that they will just shine, right? That they'll, something will seem different. Now, I want to ask, when you were talking about persecution and things like that, I'm just curious with your work being so um, public about your beliefs on Instagram and in other places, have you come across any persecution or has it been mostly positive feedback? It has been mostly positive. And I don't have like a, a massive following or anything like that. So it has been mostly positive. There has definitely been the negative, you know, the naysayers. I had this one girl who I don't even know who she is, write an entire blog post about how she left the church because of people like me and like tore apart every single sentence of an Instagram post that I had written and how it was so awful. You know, I mean, so there's things like that. That was the first time that something like that happened to me. And it just like, took the wind out of my sails. I'm like, I don't think I can handle this. Like it feels too personal, you know, but the, the more I do it, the less I care about stuff like that, because I think that it says way more about the people who are saying it than it does about me. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good example and good for people to hear because it does. And knowing that we're going to come up against that, whether that's, you know, in a public way, if we're sharing publicly on our social media, or even if it's just in the workplace or at school or wherever people are, when you say things, they aren't always received well because there are tears, right? Those tears don't always like the wheat standing strong. Um, And so, yeah, I think it's to be expected that there will be moments like that. Um, Getting back to Elder Anderson's talk, what else uh, stood out to you? One thing that stood out to me is that we don't need to know everything all at once. He talked about how the tender, what did he say? Like the, you may not feel like a strong, mature strand of wheat. Be patient with yourself. The Lord said the wheat would include tender blades springing up. We are all his Latter-day Saints, and although not 
yet all we want to be. We are serious in our desires to be as true disciples. And that was comforting to me because I have felt a lot of urgency from President Nelson and his tenure as, as the prophet just to get our lives in order and do the things that, you know, prophets have been telling us to do for generations. It's time to do them, you know, and he's even said the words, time is running out. And I think about my kids and where where they are on their spiritual journey and what I was like at their age. And I think, well, first of all, they're way further along spiritually than I was at their age. But if we're running out of time, are they going to have time to figure it out? You know, are they going to have time to really solidify that faith and that testimony? Or, and what will happen to them if not? You know, so Elder Anderson's words were comforting to me because they don't have to know everything and neither do we. There's, there's room for growth in there. Yeah, I, I agree. That's exactly what came to my mind when you read that quote is my kids, because we, you know, we've had a little bit longer, the parents, we've had a little longer to grow in the gospel. And it is scary as a parent right now to see everything going on in the world, even in the church, you know, it's just so much that these kids are up against that knowing that the, the kids, that all of us have time to mature in our faith is very comforting. And I think, you know, I think that it also speaks to the tender mercies of the Lord. Like he knows what we're up against and he knows what our kids are up against. And if it takes them a little longer to grow into who they need to be, or it's a little more confusing or whatever the case may be, because, um, you know, talking about the wheat, maybe the sunlight gets blocked a little bit sometimes, but if they're trying it counts for something because the Lord is merciful. Yeah, absolutely. And Elder Olson talks a lot about the youth. And so I, I think we'll get to that a little bit later. But um, it's good to know that he that the Lord has confidence in them. So that, that makes me not worry so much. Yes, I love that. Okay, Elder Anderson talked about three ways that we can deepen and strengthen our commitment to the Savior. He talked about immersing ourselves in the life of Jesus Christ, making covenants with the Lord and safeguarding the gift of the Holy Ghost. I'd love to kind of dive into any of those that you felt were particularly relevant or that, you know, had special meaning to you. Well, I think all of that combined for me says that just because we're the wheat, right, just because we're the the covenant children of the Lord doesn't mean we get a free pass. We have to do the work. You know, we have to get to know Jesus Christ. We have to develop that relationship with Him. We have to be willing to make and keep covenants and do what we need to do to weed out the distractions in our life so that we can focus more on Him. And so that that's kind of like the overall theme that I felt from that was that we still have work to do. We can't just, you know, sit around and wait for the second coming to happen. We We need to put in the effort to be ready. Yeah, I like that thought. Just how much of it is our decision and our choosing to come onto him. Um, there was a quote in here. Um, oh, 
Elder Anderson says, having faith in Jesus Christ and being a true disciple is more than just a one-time decision, more than a one-time event. It's an ongoing process. And so all of those things, when we talk about immersing ourselves in Jesus Christ, like making covenants, and I would add keeping covenants, and then safeguarding the gift of the Holy Ghost, it's this process of day by day continuing to choose Jesus above anything else. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons why we're here to see if we will choose Jesus above anything else, even when there's lots of distractions and lots of opposition, you know, will we choose him? And every day that's a choice. And it's not just like a one-time deal. Like I can't choose him today and then do nothing. You know, we have to continually be pressing forward or we're going to, we're going to lose ground. Yeah. For sure. Anything else that you wanted to highlight in this talk before we move on to the next? Yep. One more thing. When he talked about um, making covenants and how making covenants are, is essential, he says, when we are ready, we embrace the ordinances and covenants of the temple. And that stood out to me because not everyone is ready at the same time or at the same point on their journey. And we had, we have some dear friends who joined the church and didn't go to the temple for a long time. And they were kind of on again, off again, active. And there came, there were a series of, you know, events happened where they committed to go to the temple and to get their endowment and to get sealed after having been, you know, through this period of inactivity, almost like they thought they were active, but they they didn't really come, <laughs> you know? And so they went to the temple and I don't think they were ready because they didn't continue to come after that, you know? And at that point, after those covenants are made, there are stiffer, stiffer penalties for not keeping them. You know what I mean? And so I think that it's almost, that's a, that's a merciful statement to me that when you're ready, and don't feel like you have to, you know, yes, we should be working toward the temple. But if you're not ready, it's best to wait. Yeah. I love that thought because we don't often hear it. And I'm glad that Elder Anderson brought that up when we are ready. I have a, a friend who's been through a lot of things. So she's been through a divorce, a really rough divorce and, um, you know, tough times with the church and through all of that divorce. And she had originally been sealed in the temple and now is not able to go to the temple. And as we've talked, she um, she's not ready to go back yet. And as you know, we've shared this and, and discussed it together, it just comes to me that like the Lord accepts us where we are and he knows her heart. And she is really working hard to get back on the path and to forgive and to let go and all of the healing that needs to take place. But as long as those, you know, eyes toward the temple and toward that future, like, you know, desire to work things out, I really truly believe the Lord accepts us where we are and he knows those circumstances, even though with us, and that's why it's so important not to judge with our, you know, imperfect knowledge of the situation and to be like, well, why isn't she, you know, she was endowed at one point. Why isn't she back in the temple? Well, the Lord knows what's going on with her and he has all that mercy and all that love for her to go back. And so, yeah, whether that's the first time 
going through when we're ready, or in this case, returning. I think the key is when that's us, not to let ourselves off the hook, not to say, oh, I'm not ready, so no worries. I'm just going to put that on the shelf, put that on the back burner, and I'll worry about that later. The key is to daily, like you mentioned earlier, put in the work to do what we need to do so that we are preparing, so that we are getting ready, but understanding that that timetable is really individual. Yeah. And it just goes to show for me that the Lord meets us where we are, but he doesn't want to leave us where we are Yeah, because there's more. He's going to invite us to take that next step and that next step. And there's always steps that we can be taking to progress no matter where we are on the covenant path. And so I think that's, that's comforting for me. Yeah. Same. I love that. Um, one last thought that I had in this talk, and then we'll move on to the next one, which is on his thought, safeguard the gift of the Holy Ghost. And I just love that phrase and that thought of safeguarding the gift of the Holy Ghost. With the recent changes in For the Strength of Youth, there's been a lot of discussion in my home, in our ward, about well, what are the standards and how do we how do we determine that? And you know, I think that safeguard the gift of the Holy Ghost is such a key in that whole discussion because we can argue about what movies to watch or what clothes to wear or dating, you know, all of those specific things. But if our ultimate thought is safeguard the gift of the Holy Ghost, that to me is the reason we had standards in the first place. And so that's been a, just that phrase really stood out to me the last time I was reading this talk that those two go hand in hand. Oh, I love that. Yes, safeguarding the Holy Ghost because we won't survive spiritually without it, right? So we have to we have to be making efforts to keep that in our lives, whatever that looks like. And maybe that looks like increasing our efforts to do the things that will bring the Spirit into our lives. And maybe it looks like increasing our efforts to cut out the things that are getting in the way. Oh, such a good point. Yes, because and and probably it means both. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So good. So let's go ahead and talk about the next talk. The answer is Jesus by Elder Olson. So what stood out to you in this one? Well, the first thing that stood out to me was how young he is. Oh my goodness. (laughs) I was like, how old are you? The fact that you just said he was 47 when he served as a mission president. I'm like, holy cow, he's young. But I mean, that doesn't, that's neither here nor there, but it was just Interesting to me. Clear. So he was 47 when he was called as a an area 70. It was six years before that. So he was 41 when he was called as a mission president. Wow. Okay. So interesting fact. I was just looking yesterday at the seniority of the quorum of the 12th and the first presidency and what that looks like and how old they were when they got called. And Elder Bednar was like 52 or something like that. I was like, the older I get, the younger that sounds. <laughs> exactly. That's how we know we're getting old because you're like, 47, that's so young. I know. I know. I'm like, that's like my age almost. That's crazy. Exactly. Right. Me and mom, like, you're like, oh, they're all boomers. Like, no. I know. I know. Because that's what we used to think too. But now like we're, I'm like, that's not much older than I am, but okay. I loved this talk so much. It was one of my favorites of the whole conference. I just, I loved everything that he said that Jesus is the answer to every question, to every problem. And I've thought about that. That's not new information. You know, we've heard that before. And I've often thought like, 
okay, that's a good thought that Jesus is the answer. But how does that actually translate into practical things in my everyday life? Because that's not as easy to wrap my brain around, you know, like how is Jesus the answer to all of my questions? And I loved how he explained that by quoting Howard W. Hunter. He said, we must know Christ better than we know him. We must remember him more than we remember him. We must serve him more valiantly than we serve him. And that brought my mind back to a verse in Doctrine and Covenants section six. I think it's verse 36. I, he may have even quoted this verse in the talk. It says, look unto me in every thought, doubt not, fear not. And so if we are looking to Jesus with every thought, then we're going to want to get to know him better. Then we're going to want to study about his life and, and come to know who he really was. And then we're going to have a greater desire to follow him and to serve him and to serve others. And even if that doesn't answer every question that we have, it will lead us to trust that he has the answers and that we can hold on until further light comes for us. Ah, oh, that's beautiful. And I love it. I, this also was one of my favorite talks from conference and everything that you said. So I'll share a quick experience. I, every conference, I like to write down questions. I'm sure a lot of us do this and write down, you know, what, what am I hoping to have answered? What do I need help with right now in my life? And so I made a long list of questions for this conference and generally at the end of each conference, I I go and I do a conference review. I have this whole system where I write down all the invitations they ask us to do, everything they asked us to pray for, and then all the answers to my questions all laid out. Well, in this conference, it was very interesting. I did not get specifics, but more than once... I got this phrase, the answer is Jesus, both through this talk and a couple other places in conference. And interestingly, just kind of like you just said, it was enough, even though it doesn't answer all the specifics. It didn't tell me what to do in my business. It didn't tell me what to do with my work and with this child and all these things. And yet it was enough. And I think that um, as since this conference, as I've been trying to apply that, the application part has been really cool for me. Um, one of the things that as I, you know, maybe during the day or during the week, as I'm getting bogged down with all the things, my calling and all the things that need to be done, the to-do list items, when I remember this, the answer is Jesus. It switches things for me. One of the action items that I do on this is I play Christian music. My daughter is currently a missionary in, um, in Texas. So she's stateside and she, they're able to listen to the radio and they listen to Christian radio. And so she's shared with me some songs and some of those are just so, sometimes I listen to, you know, the songs we're all familiar with the church songs, but there are some of these Christian songs that just, I can put on on a weekday and they have kind of upbeat, but they are talking about Jesus. And it just reminds me of this. The answer is Jesus. And it just raises my spirits. It points me to him. It does all of those things. And even if I don't suddenly from that experience know, okay, now you need to call this person or do this thing. I feel in the right place to be able to get answers. I've raised my level. I, I feel the spirit. I've opened myself to whatever the spirit next directs me to do. Yeah, I really love that. And I think that 
I try to do similar things, you know. I try to build my my morning around my spiritual routine, and that doesn't always mean that I have all the answers that I need for that day, you know. And sometimes I'm just like, I'm doing all the things. Like, can you just give me, throw me a bone here? I'm just confused on this or that. But that's not always how it works. It's not like he's a. I think. Maybe it was even Elder Anderson, or I can't remember who said this, but the Lord is not a cosmic vending machine where we just put in our order and then He gives us what we want. It's something that, you know, sometimes we have to do a little more legwork on our own or just step into the dark and try to figure it out. And sometimes that's frustrating because I feel like I take one step forward and two steps back or two steps forward and one step back. And I'm just like, can you just give me the whole path, (laughs) please? And that's not, that's not how it works, but it does help to have, you know, the spirit with me, just knowing that I know he is aware of my situation. And for whatever reason, he's choosing to remain silent on this thing for right now. And that's okay. We'll figure it out. Yeah. And he trusts you enough for you to, you know, go ahead and take steps. And you're, I think that that's a piece of it, that he wants us to exercise those trust and faith muscles and move forward without, I mean, without being commanded in all things, without being compelled in all things. And just to, to learn kind of what the quiet whisperings of the spirit are. We know those big promptings, you know, Lynette, switch from parenting to sharing with Jesus Christ. Okay, I got it. But it, it's the little things on the day-to-day where I know for me, I sometimes question like, well, is, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? And it's often so quiet, but the more we can tune in, we're like strengthening that hearing skill, strengthening that listening skill, and strengthening that trust that the Lord believes in us enough to let us continue down this path without nudging us every two seconds along the way. Yeah, for sure. And there's been times that I have looked back and realized, oh, well, I was being guided all along and I felt like I was left alone. You know, it didn't feel like inspiration, but it was, you know, looking back. And so there's always, the Lord is always at work in our lives. Yes, I love that. Um, Elder Olson shared a lot of stories and experiences in this talk. I'm wondering if any of those in particular stood out to you. Yes, a couple of them. The first one being when he talked about his, when he was leaving his mission and he was talking to his mission president who was also going home and his mission president told him, it's all going to be okay because it is his work. And that stood out to me because sometimes I feel like I'm going to mess things up, you know, like I'm trying to follow the spirit. I'm trying to do the things that I feel like the Lord wants me to do, but maybe I'm just making a mess of all of it. I worry about this probably more than I should, you know, like I just don't feel like I'm going to be able to do it right. And this gave me comfort in knowing it's not my work, it's his work. And I am not powerful enough to mess up his plan. (laughs) You know, like I can make mistakes, but that's not going to mess up his plan. He is in charge and I just have to trust that he can do his own work. And if I allow him to, he can work through me. I love that. I love that. And it's, you know, it's so powerful because he is going to work through us and work all things for the good, the greater good, right? The good of the kingdom, the good of the world. And even if, you know, 
you don't do everything perfectly. That's not what he's asking of you. He's just asking you to do. And that's enough. And that's powerful. What you said, there were a couple stories that stood out to you. So I'd love to hear another. Um, The other one was um, the story about the sister missionary in his mission who just was such an amazing missionary, but didn't think that she was good enough. And that stood out to me because I currently have a daughter who's serving a mission. And I swear every P day when I talk to her, this is her struggle. You know, she's like, she's trying to train a new missionary. She's trying to be a sister training leader. She doesn't feel like she knows enough. She doesn't feel like she can do it. And so I feel like I'm constantly like trying to encourage and talk to her. And so this story hit home with me because I'm just like, That's so, I think so many missionaries feel that way. I think so many people feel that way. Like, I'm not good enough. I can't do this work, you know? And I I loved his a quote that he said. He said, when we have questions or doubts, we may feel that the solutions are too complex or that finding the answers is too confusing. May we remember that the adversary, even the father of all lies, is the architect of confusion. The savior is the master of simplicity. So whether we're talking about not feeling like we're good enough or whether we're talking about all the confusion that's going on in the world around us, Confusion is not how the Lord works. It's simplicity. And when we have doubts and we don't think we can figure things out, the Lord doesn't answer our prayers through fear or doubt ever. Those are tools of the adversary. So look for the simple. The gospel is simple. We make it too complex Mm -hmm. sometimes. Yes. Okay. Such a great story. I think, like you said, we can all relate to that in one way or the other. It's, It's a common ploy of the Savior to tell us we're not good enough. We, when we're on the right path, he's going to sit there and tell us that. And then that part that you just quoted, because he is the father of all lies and he wants us to be confused. Like, aren't I doing good enough? I'm trying, but is this enough? You know, and the savior is the master of simplicity who just says, go and do, come follow me. You know, these basic things, just try and, and it's enough. And so I love that thought. The story that really stood out to me in this talk was um, he talks about his nephew, Nash, and they were working together um, on a project. And Elder Olson said, Nash, that's a great idea. They came, Nash came up with some kind of solution. And Elder Olson said, Nash, that's a great idea. How did you get so smart? And this little six-year-old looked up at him and he said, She shrugged, smiled, and confidently said, Jesus. And I just, that just, I have a six-year-old. And I understand that, you know, any of us who have been around kids, just that almost like, duh, of course. Like, this is why. Jesus, obviously, right? So simple. It's so simple. It's so simple. And we're told over and over in the scriptures to become like a little child. This is the way to become like a little child. Um, you know, the way that it just is so obvious that we're getting heavenly help. And of course, Jesus is helping me to, in Nash's case, be smart. And, you know, in the sister missionary's case to do what she needs to do, he's there and he's helping us. And it's a simple answer and a simple solution. And yet if we can go back to that, the other complex and difficult answers also become simple. Yeah. I love that. The the gospel is simple enough for a primary child to understand. And, you know, we just, if we can just get back to the simple basics, it's, it's easier to move forward. Yes. Awesome. It's so true. Any other 
uh, thoughts from this talk that you wanted to make sure we hit on? I just loved how he expressed so much confidence in the youth, in the rising generation, in the missionaries. I feel like sometimes the rising generation, whether they're teenagers or kids or young adults, they get a bad rap for whatever, you know, like people just assume that they're just lazy or they're self-centered or they're whatever. And that's not the feeling that we get when we listen to the prophet talk about the rising generation. And that's not the feeling that Elder Olson was getting when he was talking about them. And I love that because I think that we, we need to have confidence in our kids, in our youth, in our young adults, knowing that the Lord trusts them so much that he would send them to earth when it's so crazy and so confusing. And are they going to get wounds in the battles of life? Yes, but he trusts them anyway. And I think that we can learn from that. Mm, thank you for highlighting that part because it is, it's so important whether you're a youth listening yourself or a parent of a youth or a leader or someone who interacts with young people, we all need to just believe in them and have the confidence in them that the Lord does. He sent them here at this time and he sent us here at this time. And it's just a good thing to always remember. And so I'm, I'm glad that you brought that out and the elder Olson did as well. Um, just in conclusion, there was one other thing I wanted to share, which is just this line from elder Olson. This is the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And this is where we belong. As I was just studying this and read this, I, that's the most basic thing. The most basic thing. This is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and this is where we belong. But as I read it, it just struck me so powerfully. And I wanted to testify of that, that we do belong. We belong to Him. We are His. He loves us. He knows us. He is the answer. And yeah, I testify of that. And Lynette, I'd love to just hear your, your final thoughts and testimony on the things that we've shared today. Yes, I echo your thoughts there that stood out to me also that we are we are not only belong in his church, but we belong to him personally. Like he is our savior, he's our redeemer, he is our friend if we allow him to be so. If we put in the work to developing that relationship with him, it can feel very much like a friendship. And I can testify to that because that's how I feel about him. I'm so excited to meet him again someday and just to like, to, you know, see him in the flesh. And I, that's so exciting to look forward to that. And though the world is in commotion and we're in the last days where things are crazy at the end of that, the savior comes again. And that's exciting. I think to be here now in this preparation phase for that. Yes. Thank you for that. I love that. And the answer is Jesus. Summing up everything that we've talked about today, the answer is Jesus. So thank you everyone for listening to another episode of the Conference Talk Podcast. Lynette, thank you for being with us today. Today we discussed two talks, the answer is Jesus and the other one called Drawing Closer to the Savior. 
If you enjoyed this episode, please give us a five-star rating. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and everywhere you get podcasts. You can find links to all of our podcast platforms on our website, conferencetalk.org. Conferencetalk.org is also where you can follow us on social media, drop us a comment, check out the show notes, find the resources we mentioned in the episode, and learn more about us, your hosts. So thank you again for being here. While we always appreciate new followers, it's better to follow the prophet and apostles themselves. And remember, although we love speaking about the church and our leaders, we do not speak for them. Everything said on this podcast represents our own personal opinions. Join us next week for some more personal opinions on the Conference Talk Podcast.